And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. Here we go, round two of Tapped Out on the BetQL Network. Brendan Tobin, sports machine, Sean Levine, lacing them up, and we're about to fight each other. And I hope you're on my side with this one, bud, because if not, I got to fight two guys. Because Eddie Law from Cage Side Press joined the show earlier, and he said that when Dustin and Justin fight, no last names needed, but I'll give them to you, Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje for the BMF belt, he said it goes to the cards, or at least he thinks that there's a good chance that it does, meaning that those guys are both so tough. Bro. There is no way, no way that goes to the cards. You're going to fight me? Yeah, no, I'm not going to fight you on that. I agree with you. Uh, the last time they fought, Dustin finished him off. Uh, but the altitude thing is a thing, man. I'm, I'm a little – I'm interested to see what Dustin's going to do to combat that because, you know, Justin's got kind of the edge there. This isn't Salt Lake. So, you know, he f- trains down here in South Florida. Is that going to affect him? We'll see. But, yeah, I think that this one – someone's going to finish somebody. We've talked a little bit about uh, John and Stipe being in trouble right now. And we saw the odds for that. John Jones was a pretty big favorite and leaning toward fight night, maybe being as heavy as like a three to one at Bet MGM. That being said, let's say it ends up being Sergey Pavlovich. I think that at that point, John Jones becomes a significantly less favorite. You going to fight me? Yeah, because I just don't think people know Pavlovich, man. I feel like everyone's going to say, who the hell is he fighting, you know? I'm sure the Sharp people will know. But, like, you're talking about Stipe's got the reputation. We talk about how reputation affects fight odds all the time. I just don't think enough people know who Pavlovich is for it to be that way, unless there's just super sharp money coming in on, hey, he is th- this guy is kind of the next Francis. He is the new intimidating puncher. But I just feel like he's too new on the scene for people to know that. Like, he fought at, what did he, he fought at the Apex the last time. So let's say he comes in at a plus 350 against John Jones. Like, what is, how big does the number have to get on Pavlovich for you to bet it? 350 is tasty because uh, when I Pretty saw tasty, him hit, when he, when he hit Curtis Blades with that one jab and set him on the crazy legs, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know if I could ever imagine myself betting against John Jones, but like, you, you, you're starting to get into the area. I'm in the right neighborhood, especially with uh with the high, with the heavyweights. Like even if I think a guy's gonna lose, you can talk me into betting the other way just because they're heavyweights, and we all know that more often than not the fights don't even get out of the first round. And I think I saw 56 percent of them ended knockouts. So uh you know, and that's that's in the first round. So again, it's um those fights usually don't last very long. However, Alexander Volkanovsky fights do. He was quoted earlier this week saying he'd love to get Conor McGregor at 145 pounds. And then I thought about it. Are you going to fight me if I told you that I think looking back on it, Volkanovsky's got a more impressive resume than Conor McGregor? Uh, I mean, I guess it's in the the eye of the beholder. Um, You know, Conor did win two belts. I mean, you know, it's that's a tough that's a tough self. He did. He really say that? He said that. He said that, he said but I mean, won- I think he was kind of just having wait, a little wait, bit of he fun. Meant like, like he wishes he would have gotten that fight like back in the day, or he thinks that kind of correct. Like now, yeah. I guess I, oh, I okay, guess I should okay. be more specific with that. Yes, yeah. Okay. Because you looked no, all confused over there, and I'm thinking, what did I say? Well, I was just wondering if Alexander Volkanovsky lost his eyesight. I was just very concerned for him for a second. That's all. <laughs> um, oh. No, I think. I think, though, uh, listen. I think he has some things that would have given Connor trouble for sure. I mean, he's a very well-rounded fighter. 
So speaking of losing eyesight, when that Angela Hill and Mackenzie Dern card got changed, that became the main event. And I love the ladies, but I, I, I was talking a little smack. I was like, what's going on? They're getting too many fights. If this is going to headline, are you going to fight me if I say, damn, that thing was a whole lot better than I thought it was going to be? Yeah, the whole car was great. The whole car was great. Mackenzie Dern looked like an absolute monster, um, which, you know, credit to her because she was dealing with a lot going into that fight. Um, and, you know, Angela Hill's as solid as they come. So you're you're talking about a, a really good resume builder for her. She needed uh, to bounce back in a big way, and she did that. Speaking of monsters, Francis Ngannou, now in the PFL. We're going to bring on the voice of the PFL, our friend of the show, Sean O'Connell, wrap things up. A little bit later, so stay tuned here to the BetQL Network. Are you going to fight me if I say, and I think this is going to be the biggest problem with him now going to the PFL, they're never going to find a worthy opponent for him. And I feel like that's part of the reason why they're slow rolling this and they're letting him box and he's not going to actually get into the smart cage basically until a year from now. But the way that I see it, they're never going to find a worthy opponent no matter how many fights he fights in the PFL. you going to fight me? Yeah, I am just because I, f- I feel like that payday that everybody's going to get to fight him is going to be appealing to somebody. So I feel like eventually, like if you told Stipe right now, like, hey, you could get uh, two minutes to go fight Francis again, even though we've seen the fight twice, like if he got a trilogy fight with him, I mean, is he going to get that much to fight John Jones? He hasn't always been a guy happy with his pay. So I just think that that's going to be the appeal for fighting him is that someone's going to see that minimum money plus pay-per-view and yes yeah, someone's gonna want to do it so i think they'll find somebody i feel like you brought up the perfect guy where i can't really argue with you yeah if you go to stipe and say hey guaranteed 2.5 million just to step in the cage of francis and the pfl that's pretty tempting i feel like there's maybe a couple of other names that you could have brought up you know same thing even like surreal gone to have that rematch that might be the right number but that's the problem is all these other guys like john John's clearing, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's a whole lot more than that after every single fight. It just, it's kind of, I don't know, kind of the same problem is when it comes to the heavyweights in the world right now and the sport that we love, mixed martial arts, it's either Nganu 1 and John 2 or John 1 and Nganu 2. And then I don't know who you think is 3, but, dude, there's a huge gap. I mean, unless you think Pavlovich is that guy, you know, like that's that's the thing, you know, and and I I just think like, look, I think Pavlovich is looking like he could be a worthy guy to beat John Jones. I think Aspinall, like your your guy Aspinall could be too. Um, It's just a matter of John's at a point in his career where he clearly wants big fights. That's why I think he's chirping at Francis so much. Um, And so it's that mix of like, I don't think he wants to redo what he did at light heavyweight where it was oh i gotta fight the dominic reyes of the world i gotta fight the tiago santis of the world nobody knows who these guys are and he clearly he clearly has a thing in training especially later in his career where motivation's a very very big thing and i think that if he is taking on somebody he doesn't seem as like worthy to face him um then you know it could be i think that you might not get as good a performance so you know, it is a bit – he'll be okay because I do think there are talented guys that they could still build up, whereas Francis, like, they really I, – I do feel like they need a big catch because this is their, this is their you know, their, their golden goose. If you had a million bucks to bet, it's our producer Zach's money, so you can go ahead and lose it if you want to. Do you think we ever see John Jones getting, the, getting any sort of a fight with Francis Ngannou? Mm, no. I feel like both their careers either. will be over. You know, I just think I think they're both at just a bad age place for it. 
and timing, man, life is all about timing, right? And if you think about it, John took three years off, finally came back. And the minute that he came back, Francis Ngannou was like, eh, my contract's up, I'm out. Uh, by the way, coming up in a little while, we're going to get the tip off of the Miami Heat game six at the crib. I can't remember what they call that place. Three names in one year at that point. I just call it Miami's crib. They take on the Boston Celtics. A bet MGM right now, Boston minus two and a half, two twelve and a half as the over-under for that one. And basically, we're going to lose about 85% of the concentration from our co-host, Brendan Tobin, who's literally yep. sitting down in the arena. So we'll talk about fighting until then. What is, what's shining on you? What's going on? Like, it feels like, you're, you're, like, is there an alien above you? What's going on? Uh, just two giant monitors. One's got all the stats and the starting lineups up, and then one, I imagine, is going to have the game up here. I'm not going to so, lie. It's making those eyes look even more pretty than usual. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Is that. Are you in the same room right now that Jimmy Butler said that to you? No, that's like way down there over the dressing room. Like there's some – I think it might be the place where they usually do that's like the visitor overflow. That's one thing Jimmy and I have in common. We both find your eyes incredibly beautiful. Uh, Brendan Tobin, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Get a little weird here on a Saturday night without any actual UFC action. Although we are going to get Benio Daryush and Charles Dubronx Oliveira. That's coming up, the co-main event of the next pay-per-view fight. I tell you two things. Oliveira wins that fight, and then I think Oliveira can beat Islam. And I know we saw the fight already, and it didn't look good. Making that case, you sound a little ridiculous. But if anybody has proven throughout his career that he can make adjustments, it's Charles Oliveira. So I think Oliveira wins that fight, and then I think he gets the belt back. I think, once again, the champion has a name, and his name is Charles Oliveira. You going to fight me? Yeah, I just thought it was too big a gap the last time they fought. But I I, I think Benil's going to get this one done, and I do think Benil's got a chance to do it. I think we've seen that Islam's still got some things to work out. Um not a guy that seems like he wants to fight at 155 very long either. So I don't. it's not that I don't think Islam's unbeatable. I just think that he clearly showed against Charles that he's head and shoulders above him. If we do ever end up getting Hamzat versus Usman, I got to be honest with you, it's weird how little we've heard from both of those guys or Dana talking about both of those guys for a long time. Obviously, everybody knows about Usman, held the belt for a long time, defended it many times, lost his last couple of fights to Leon. Uzma, or in the case of Hamzad, I don't know. Maybe he's been on some island somewhere. I have no idea what that guy's been up to. If we do get that fight, I think Uzman's going to be the underdog. You going to fight me? I mean, if he is, I'm going to go run and, and put money on Usman if he is the underdog for that because I think that's crazy. Especially with the idea, like, I, I, I'm still very confused by what weight class uh, Hamzad's going to fight at because Catch he weight. seemed to... Yeah, he seemed, and then and I think Dana said he doesn't want to do a catch weight. So I'm very, I'm just very confused on like if it's at 170, then I would throw all of my money on Kamaru Usman. If it's at 185, then you know you could start. You know, that, I think that's gonna be that would be an interesting difference. Like, how does the power carry? How does Usman look if he doesn't have to get down on that weight? Um, that would be more in, intriguing as far as uh, Hamzat is. But no, you're talking about one of the best welterweights of all time. Gilbert Burns gave him all he could handle. And I do think that, and as much as I love Gilbert, I do think there's a pretty big gap between him and Usman. So I, uh, I think Usman would get that done, and I, I would love it if he was the underdog. I would run to, to put my money on, on Usman. So you clearly don't think that Usman is fading away here at the end of his career. You just think that he lost a couple of fights to the same guy. I mean, he, he had a terrible moment in his second fight against Leon Edwards. Oh, yeah. Um, 
a terrible, terrible moment. It cost him his belt. The second fight was, you know, the second fight was was close. I mean, I, I get it. You know, there was a there was a ten eight in there, so that kind of maybe makes it look a little bit closer. But you know, I think that was more of a credit. I think I think that's more of a credit to to Leon. Uh, I think Leon's, you know, made some big improvements, and I, but I still think Usman is still one of the best out there. Friend of the show, Leon Rocky Edwards, um, Nikola Jokic. Let's talk a little hoops here, since tip off is now what about a. 20 minutes away down there in Miami. Nikola Jokic is the most unique NBA player of all time. You're going to fight me? Mm. No. I mean, uh, he's he's incredible. I mean, the way that he can just dictate everything at his size. He's so patient. He's a pain in the ass to defend. He gets all his teammates involved. Now he's shooting that moon shot. He seems like he can make it every single time. That guy's awesome. The only person I could even think of is maybe Steph Curry because of the way that he changed the game. I mean, literally changed the NBA, changed the game of basketball. You go down to a wreck, the game looks different than it did 10 years ago. But Nikola Jokic, I mean, you go to a wreck, there's 20 guys that look like him. None of them have won two MVPs and are about to win a championship. It's funny, like when I was I was here earlier, and um, one of my favorite guys to watch, watch warm up for the Heat, he doesn't play much this year, but they have Nikola Jovic, who was their first-round pick this year, Serbian. He actually had dinner with Jokic when he was when the, the Nuggets played here. And... Uh, I just think that uh, – so now I'm all like – I'm every time he warms up, I'm like, oh, could he be the next Jokic? No, no pressure on the kid. You're telling me Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jovic shared a booth one night and had dinner? My head would explode. I can't imagine being the waiter at that one. That's unbelievable. I bet they left a good tip. Um, tonight, you going to fight me if I say Jason Tatum's outscoring Jimmy Butler in Miami? Sure am. Jimmy Butler's getting it done. Are you? Dude. Why, why are you even putting that, that stuff? You're putting that energy into, your, into the ether just, right now? I was, just, I, was just, I was just curious. Look, I think uh, it, the, the Heat are only going to go as far as Jimmy. They did make a change to the starting lineup. They're putting uh, Caleb Martin and sitting Kevin Love down, which that, you can kind of see the writing on the wall with that. Spo was barely playing Kevin Love. Um, so... You know, I think that they're they're setting themselves up. They got uh, you know, more from Caleb tonight, who's been one of the best players in the series too. And uh, no, I'm gonna have Jimmy outscoring Tatum tonight. You know who hasn't been one of the best players in this series is Jalen Brown. Like his prop has been sitting at 22, 23. I gotta check out what it's at at BetMGM tonight because he hasn't gone over at all. He had a game where he had 10. He had a game where he had 12. Even that last game where he had a nice little run there for a second, he still went under. I don't know what's going on with that, dude. Um, We got less than a minute left. You're going to fight me if I say there's a 0% chance LeBron James retires from basketball, and that's just stupid that he even brought that up. No fight here for me, dude. Completely agree. Okay. All right. And, and again, I'm not saying that he was trying to steal any sort of a thunder, the thunder of the Denver Nuggets because they swept him or anything like that. But again, dude, you're not going to retire. You've got $100 million worth of guaranteed money coming to you. You're still a top 5, 10 player in the NBA, and you love basketball. Stop. Don't, you've got enough attention on you. Don't, don't pretend like you're going to retire. You're not going to retire. Um, another guy that's nowhere near retirement, he is Jim Rodriguez. We call him J-Rod. We're going to bring him on for a little BS and a little boxing. Coming up next, you're locked into the bet, QL Network.